Hey, grab your Bibles, and uh, let's do some spiritual stuff here this morning. Uh, if you're here with us today for the first time, I really do want to welcome you. My name's Jay Duncan, and uh, I'm the senior pastor along with my wife, Christy, here of Antioch Church. And it really is our joy to gather together and to minister to the Lord and to minister one to another as the church, as the people of God here today. We've been on a series since two weeks ago, which was Pentecost. And Pentecost, we discovered, is the birth of of the church. It is when the Holy Spirit baptized 120 Christ followers in an upper room as they were faithfully and obediently seeking the heart of God, praying, and then boom, the Holy Spirit came just like Jesus promised and just like so many Old Testament prophets promised. And when that happened, there were 120 individuals that became together and they became what never existed in human history up until that point. They became the church of Jesus. And from that time, the church has been growing and maturing and expanding and multiplying and going throughout all of the earth, just as Jesus said would happen. In fact, when he was walking the earth, he told his followers this. He said, I will build my church. And we're today, because of the faithful followers of Christ, faithful, not perfect, faithful, not completed, but faithful followers with all of our mess and imperfection, with all of our junk, we are faithfully following Jesus and faithfully doing that as a people, not just as kind of these privatized mystics, not just as individuals, not just me and Jesus, it is as a people. We are holding on to that which Jesus instituted in the earth, the faith. And so today we stand as recipients of the faith, and we also stand as stewards of the faith, and we also stand as people who transmit faith from generation to generation. So two weeks ago, we began talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit creates the church. He is the creator of the church. Two weeks or last week, Jonathan did an outstanding job. I listened to it on my way back from Tulsa, and uh, he talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit gathers the church, gathers the church. I love podcasts. I love so many of the technological uh, tools that we have at our disposal to receive incredible teaching and revelation. But guys, that is not your local church. That is that is a tool, it is a medium, it is a vehicle, it is a venue to receive amazing uh, teaching and revelation. But that's not where you live life with people. Um, it's easy. It's easy to live in a podcast community because everyone thinks you're perfect in a podcast community because no one's around you. They can't see your stuff. There's something about proximity. There's something about when I start kind of like, you know, slipping, people can see it. They can see it. And there's something about allowing people to know you because they can see what is happening in your life. Yesterday, Christy had some, some ladies over, and uh, Aaron was the first to come. And you know how it is when you're cleaning, and you're thinking about getting kids fed, and you're doing all those things, and she walked up, and you're kind of still in that zone, and she's like, hey, are you okay? You can't, you can't, you can't get that at a podcast community. You can't get someone who can look into your face, look into your eyes, and go, hey, are you okay? What's the state of your soul? What's the condition of your heart? Where is your faith? 
How, how alive are you spiritually? Well, how are you, that, that doesn't happen when you're isolated. So today we're gonna talk about the fact that, so I say all that to say that the spirit gathers us. And if you, uh, if you missed that message, Jonathan did an outstanding job. So I encourage you to listen to it on our podcast. All right, today we're gonna talk about a fun topic, but I'm gonna put a little spin on it. We're gonna talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit gifts the church, gifts the church. And I wanna start off, I'm gonna lay out a very, very simple structure for this, and then I'm gonna preach the junk out of it. All right, here's the structure, very simple. Number one, God is the giver of gifts. God is the giver of gifts. Number two, the church should benefit from the gifts. The church should benefit from the gifts. Number three, love is greater than the gifts. All right, very simple. God is the giver of gifts. Number two, the church should benefit. We should be built up by the gifts. And number three, love is greater than the gifts. Father, we ask for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just put your supernatural sauce on these words. God, we ask that you would breathe today uh, upon the gathering of your people. We ask for revelation and insight. We ask for understanding. Father, we ask for where there are mindsets that run contrary and counter to, to the orthodoxical instruction of your word, that you would rearrange our thinking to help us get into alignment with truth and that you would transform our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would form us and constitute us that you would build us and you would strengthen us as a people, as the temple of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would minister to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of James chapter one, verse 17. James chapter one, verse 17. We're gonna look at a handful of scriptures But this is just simply along the lines of helping us to understand that God is a giver of good gifts. We're going to go from here to Matthew chapter 7. So James chapter 1 verse 17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good gift is from above. Above, We're talking about spiritual gifts today, and we're talking about the fact that in the constitutioning of the church, that the Holy Spirit is a distributor of good gifts, and that comes right from who God is. Now, today we're celebrating Father's Day, and most of us in this room, as dads, as men, as people, we have a heart to give to our children, to our friends, to our spouses. That is a reflection of the heart of God. That's a reflection of the DNA of God because God's a giver. Now, I don't know how you grew up. You may have grown up and you had to work for everything. You may have had to prove. You may have had to perform. You may have had to, uh, in desperation, make, make all kinds of appeals. But I want you to know today the heart of our Father, the heart of our God is a God who gives good gifts. I was listening to this message last night, kind of by accident. I stumbled across this message by Stephen Furtick. I've never listened to any message by this guy before, and I I was just 
kind of enthralled. It was this three minute YouTube clip and he had this desk out on the stage and he was talking about the fact that this desk was handed on to him from his father and this little tiny desk was handed on to his father from his father and he recalls this story when Stephen was going off to college and his father was a barber, worked very, very diligently to make sure that everything in the house was taken care of though they did not have much. And he was very clear, growing up, our family did not have much. And as I was going off to college, and my dad made sure that I went to college because my dad never had the opportunity to go to college, he sat me down at this desk. And this desk was so significant because of all the transactions that had taken place and the spiritual legacy that had taken place at this desk. And he says, I'll never forget this. My dad told me this. He said, son, as you go out into this world, As you leave my home and go out into this world, he said, son, don't you ever be broke and me not know about it. Son, don't you ever have need for something. Don't you ever have need for something and not be out there hurting and me not know about it. And then he said this, he said, son, I may not have much, but what I have, you have. If I have it, you have it. Now, we can, get in, we can get to all kinds of teachings and all kinds of stuff on responsibility and all that, not taking advantage, but at the heart of what he was communicating in that message, it was this, very simply this, the heart of the Father is if I have it, you have it. And I'm gonna train you and I'm gonna discipline you and I'm gonna make sure that, that you grow and that you mature, but you don't have to beg, borrow, and steal, not from this world and not from any other person. I want you to know my heart is to bless you. Today, I I want you to know the heart of our Father is to bless us. The Father loves blessing you. I said the Father loves blessing you. I'm gonna keep saying it until it gets in your spirit. He loves blessing you. He loves it. He loves it. He loves it. He loves blessing you. All right, let's look at another passage of scripture. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven through 11. You know, I think I experienced the reality of this and I don't give my kids everything. I mean, the older that they get, the more I make sure that they can be responsible, the more I make sure that they understand how to work and have, uh, have a solid worldview on maturity. But, you know, as my kids were babes, I didn't, I didn't sit there and make them jump through hoops in order to bless them with a new outfit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and y'all, y'all need to just know, like when it comes to the little girls, because their clothes are always so much cuter than the little boys. I love, I got three boys, I love boys. But there's something about little girls and little girls' outfits. I'm just a sucker. I'm a sucker for them. And if I see a cute outfit, I'm just buying it. I'm buying the cute outfit because I love giving my girl cute outfits. And, you know, I think I tapped into a part of the heart of God. And, you know, there's something in our psyche that on the healthy side, on the healthy side, on the spirit of healthy sonship, that says, Lord, I want to be responsible. I want to be grateful. I, want to, I don't want to take advantage of you. I want to be a good recipient. I want to be humble and gracious. That's healthy. 
on the unhealthy kind of orphan side of things where we feel like if I get anything, I'm going to have to earn it. And not only am I going to have to earn it, I'm going to have to perform for it. I'm going to have to be perfect for it. Guys, that's, that's an unhealthy thing that I think the Father wants to take off of us. All right, salvation. You didn't do anything to earn salvation. The free gift of salvation. And you can't do anything to earn any of other God's good gifts. He gives them because he is good. And though that may not be your experience with your family, with your father, with your employer, or with life, your father is a good father and he loves to give you good gifts. Okay? All right. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the doors will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? I just, I love the extremity of these verses. I think it is the sickest thing in my mind to imagine my little children asking for something and sure sure little johnny i'll give you a fish i mean it's just like it's just it's a great word picture it's so twisted yeah ask me for something that is practical ask me for something that you need and then i'm going to turn around and give you something that can hurt you right jesus saying you guys are evil I love the fact that he like calls us out. You're evil, and yet you've got some good inside of you. He says, now then, if you being evil would not do something as sick as that, he goes, how much more? Because I'm not evil. How much more will the father who is not evil? So whatever fear is inside of us and however that got drilled down inside of us, that we're suspicious and afraid of who God is, or if we ask for something, he might, he might punish us in order to get it, or if, we, if he gives it to us, then there's all these strings attached to it. He's like, listen, that's not me. That's not who I am. I love that. So then he says, if then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Isn't that amazing? Guys, listen. Your father is a giver of good gifts. And part of those good gifts are spiritual in nature. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm gonna talk here in a minute about some of the contextual and historical things that were going on in the church of Corinth. But first what I wanna do is I wanna map out, there's actually about four different lists of spiritual gifts throughout the New Testament. Now, when I was growing up in Word of Faith churches, we focused primarily here on this list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at verses eight through 11. And we categorized those, there's nine gifts there, and we, 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 we doctrinized that thing. We said there are nine spiritual gifts. These are the preeminent spiritual gifts. They're broken down into three categories. There's a sensation power gifts, there's a revelatory gifts. And as I've gotten into this a little bit deeper and studied this out a little more, there, this is not the exclusive list of primary or of spiritual gifts, okay? So there's actually a ton of gifts that are mapped out in the scriptures. And more importantly, if not equally importantly, what I've discovered here is that even the idea of works and services that we provide are considered within the same category 
of gifts. Let's take a look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. It says, to one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, the word of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Now, I'm going to whet your appetite this morning, but I'm also going to frustrate you. And here's how I'm going to frustrate you, because I'm not going to go in and I'm not going to explain all of these 20 to 25 gifts that I'm going to read out to you. That's for a class. Go buy a book. Now I'm going to whet your appetite to go, oh man, what is that? I want to understand more about that. I want, to, I, want to, I want to delve into that. I think that I may have seen that in my life. So part of today is going to be inspirational in the sense that it will cause you to go, if God is a giver of good gifts, and he has given me good gifts, he has given me something, I'm not sure what it is yet, but now I want to awaken a hunger inside of you to pursue that. God, what is that gift that you've given to me? And it might be multiple gifts that you've given to me for the building up and the edification of the church for our mission in the world. Verse nine, to another is given the gift of faith by the same spirit. To another is given gifts of healing by that one spirit. Verse 10, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing or discerning of spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one. Say, to each one. He distributes to each one. You could also say he distributes to every one. So one thing to understand is that every single one of us sitting in this room have a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. You may have more than one spiritual gift. You cannot have all the gifts. That's just greedy. <laughs> but you have one gift, if not a few gifts. And the gift that has been given to you is not yours for the keeping. All right, we'll get into that. All right, let's take, another, let's take a look at another list of gifts. Later on in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verse 28, let's look at verse 28, same chapter. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. Look at this, have helping. How many of you would say, I love to help? Don't put me on a stage. Don't put a microphone in front of my hand. I don't like getting in front of people, but man, put me behind the scenes and man, I flourish. Anybody like that in the room? I just want to see hands here so I know. Okay, great. It's so funny. I walked in today, man, Christian Tonkins. First thing I saw, that brother was working, man. He was like, he was getting his T.D. Jakes, like patting down that sweat. I was like, that brother been in the kitchen, man. I like that. I want to be behind the scenes and I will serve. And listen, that is a spiritual gift. It is necessary I thought about this today. I'm looking at Dusty and I'm looking at Sharita and I'm thinking about, you know, as, as, as wonderful as all the orators and singers that are on this stage, guess what? If we don't have people running sound, man, I'll be like talking like this, man, I'll be preaching and going off and y'all be like, what is he saying? But man, listen, I need these guys. All right, the gifts of help. All right, let's take a look at what else. Guidance. 
gifts of, help, gifts of healing, of helping, gifts of guidance. How many of you, when you find yourself in a situation where someone's going through a difficult time and you find that you're a good listener and when you listen, you're able to identify kind of patterns and the root of issues. And then maybe sometimes you'll just even ask a question. And when you ask that question, you'll have that person go, uh, oh, I never thought of it like that. And then all of a sudden things just, things that were all knotted up, internally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, they just kind of start to unravel. How many of you guys had experiences like that? Huh? Guess what? You may have a spiritual gift of helping to provide guidance and counsel to other people. Uh, Different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Those are rhetorical questions. The answer there is no. But the issue is there, find out, discover. Something the Lord has been pressing in on me the past few weeks is, and a lot of this comes through pressure, and a lot of this comes through disappointment, And a lot of this just comes through going through difficult seasons of life where you get a little bit more introspective and reflective and you submit those things to the Lord. But I think that equally as important as discovering who God is, I think God wants us to understand who we are. He he wants you to understand the unique way that he's made you. There's a reason why you've had the experiences that you've had. There's a reason why there are things that you like. This is gonna sound silly. There's a reason why you like certain superheroes over other superheroes. Man, I've seen people get into all-out battles, fights. Dude, man, Batman, you know Batman better than Superman. Why are you crazy? No, you, 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 well, we're going to go right now. Don't you talk about no Superman. And then they start getting into all their arguments. Well, there's, a re- there's something about the character of who Batman is or the character. I mean, Civil War, you know? Oh, man, which side are you? You Captain America, you Iron Man. What is it? Like, we identify with certain, you gotta, you gotta think about those things. Which character are you laughing at me? Which characters do you identify with? Which strengths, what virtues? Yeah, I'm not joking, y'all, this is real stuff. Okay, think about the way you respond under pressure. Think about the way that you interact with people. Think about the things that people call on you for. Think about the things that make you come alive. Think about the things that when you do them at the end of the day, you're not just tanked and wiped out. You you know, there's a tired that that leads to fulfillment. Then there's a tired that just makes you want to just crawl up in a hole and never emerge again. Right? Those are the things that we want to do less of. Now, in certain seasons where God is training us and building character, we may have to endure those things. But the goal is to discover what are the things that, that just make me just come alive, that I love doing. And when I get tired, I get tired, but the tired is fulfilling. It's not frustrating. It's not frying me. Are we together on this? All right, so learn to think about your life in light of who God has created you to be because to the degree that you know who you are, then you can serve the world around you. All right? Listen, if you ain't good under pressure, I don't want to give you the ball when it's in overtime and it's two seconds left on the clock. You got to know that about yourself. You can't shoot the three and we need to go up by one. I'm not putting the ball in your hands. Tristan Thompson, stay down under the paint and rebound for God's sake. Don't get out there behind the arc. Some of y'all knew what I said and some of you guys are like, I don't know what he's talking about. All right, let's take a look at another group of giftings. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. 
And we're going to start in verse 3. And there's something I want you to catch. So for the sake of time, I want you to catch that in each of these passages where I'm reading to you a list of gifts, every single one of them are set up with specific instruction that frames the gifts in the context of edifying the body. All right, there it is. So you ought to see this. Take a look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. All right, whatever context you wanna think of, whether it be a family, or whether it be a business, or whether it be a band, or whether it be sports, there is nothing worse than the guy in the post-game interview who's like, yep, heck yeah. We won because of me, what do you expect? Like, nobody likes that. So here's what he's saying, listen, in the context, he, he always talks about gifts in the context of building other people up. We can't miss that. There's a reason why he talks about that. So think of yourself, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, according to the grace given to each of us. You ever seen somebody do something and you just look at them and go, dude, there ain't no way. There just ain't no way. If I had to do that, I would be mad all the time. I would just be angry, right? Why is that? Because that's not my grace. Man, I look at, I mean, just look at Tanya, I look at Nate. These guys travel all the time. Y'all would not, y'all just be, I'd be ugly. Don't talk to me. I'm still, I don't even know what time zone I'm in anymore. I ain't slept in my bed, I ain't seen my kids. What? There's a grace. So you know the beautiful thing about that is? Is that you can't be arrogant about your gift. You know why? Because that gift ain't even yours. That gift was given to you. And that you couldn't, you could even operate in that gift if you didn't have the grace for it. And you didn't conjure up that grace. That grace was given to you by God. And that grace was given to you to exercise that gift for the betterment and the benefit of the body and the world around you. And that's what Paul is getting at right here. So he says in verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. You ever get around somebody and kind of the opposite of the counselor? They don't ask no questions. In fact, be careful. You ask them one question, you better have at least two hours because they will teach you to death. Huh? They will teach you. They will let you know. They will let you know all the extemporaneous, contextual, historical, textual, critical, cultural. They'll be like, I don't care. I really don't know. I don't, I don't want to know all this. Just give me the bottom line. Nope, they're going to give you the bottom line. They're going to tell you everything. They're going to tell you why the bottom line got to the bottom line. That's a teacher. And we need teachers. Love teachers. We need more of them. Verse eight, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Some of you guys actually have a gift of encouragement. Aaron Anderson right here. Every week I preach, 
You know what she does? She comes, she texts me or she comes right up to me and she, she you know, there ain't no way that I preach that good. <laughs> All the time. Impossible. But you know what? I believe I, I believe I do because I got an encourager in my life. We need encouragers. She got the gift of encouragement. I said she gots. <laughs> If it is giving, then give generously. Listen, some of you guys are wealthy, but you ain't wealthy because you all that. You're not wealthy because you just pulled up your bootstraps and made a self-made man out of yourself. You're wealthy because God has blessed you to give generously. That's why you're wealthy. That's why you're wealthy. You're wealthy because God has graced you he has blessed you. He has opened up opportunities for you. That has not happened in a vacuum. You have been faithful. You have been responsible. You have been good stewards. But here, let me let, me let you in on a secret. Here's why. So you can give generously. Ge There's the key word. That's the operative word. Generously. Don't be giving all stingily. I love how I'm making up all my own words this morning. <laughs> Don't be giving all stingily. <laughs> okay? generously that's right <laughs> David I'm going to need you to edit the junk out of this message nah, I'm just kidding okay uh, if it is to lead lead diligently I love that diligently responsibly lead with intention how many leaders in the house let me see all my leaders let me see all, actually before, hold on let me see my givers <laughs> that's right John you are a giver man this, this dude is a giver um, where are all the leaders at? Let me see the leaders. Come on, put your hands up. Leaders, hey, listen, you ain't a leader if you're doing this. <laughs> leader be like this. Yo, that's me. Straight up. <laughs> awesome. We I'm going to just bless the snot out of all of our gifts today here in a minute. I can't wait. Uh, lead diligently. Diligently. Okay? That means with intention. That means with purpose. That means lead strategically. That means leads with your energy. Lead diligently, all right? Give yourself to that. We need more leaders in the world, and we need more leaders in this church, and I bless your leadership. I thank God for your leadership. This church embraces your leadership. So lead, lead, lead diligently. And I just, I just feel this in my spirit too. I wanna encourage the leadership gifts in the body today. I feel like there's been an assault. Look at me just, look at me stepping into that prophetic gift. <laughs> Listen, I do really do. I feel there's been an assault on some leadership at large, but particularly in the house. And here's, here's what that looks like. When you begin to question, when you begin to not wanna lead anymore, when you begin to second guess yourself, when you begin to feel like, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I just made all this up in my head, when you begin to uh, wanna quit and give up and you know in your bones that's not who you are. How many of you guys have been experiencing that here recently in the past season? In the name of Jesus, throw your hands up real high. In the name of Jesus, I just declare over you 
that every assignment of the enemy, every spiritual attack of the enemy to discourage you, to get you off course, to lie to you, to tell you that you are not positioned correctly, to tell you that you are not a leader or that you're not needed. Today, I expose that by the light of the truth of God. And in Jesus' name, we give you permission and we bless you and we put faith inside of you and we instill strength inside of you and we say lead. Lead boldly in Jesus' name. Come on, clap your hands today. Put some faith in the room. Hallelujah. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Who are my mercy givers here in the place? Who are the mercy people? Do it cheerfully. Awesome. Yeah, Mama Karen, Mama Melanie in this house, Mama Tamara. Yeah, you girls are mercy. Sharon, yeah. Thank you for your mercy. And do it cheerfully. Why does it say cheerfully? Because, man, you know what? The, the people who give mercy, those people, like those people who need mercy, they're like a magnet to mercy givers. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And that can be a drain. That's what <laughs> who said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so you need, you need to do it cheerfully. Tap into that spiritual gift. And don't be, don't be operating in false mercy, Okay? Don't be operating a false mercy where you're just merciful about everything and yet that just, just being merciful about everything where you're operating out of your soul and operating in this form of pity and then actually what happens is you actually begin to condone and to, to empower someone's dysfunction. So my mercy-motivated people have to be real careful that you're operating in discernment and in truth, Okay? And that's why you might need to yoke up with someone if you realize, I'm not really strong in that yet, and my heart is always to empathize and to connect emotionally with, with the pain of what someone's going through. Some people are going through pain because it's self-inflicted. And the more you just nurture that, it just perpetuates that in their life. So by the name, in the name of Jesus, I just pray wisdom and discernment on you to see that. All right. Okay, let's take a look at another list. Let's, uh, let's take a look right here at Ephesians chapter 4. And there's a little bit of argument out there in the theological world whether or not these are actual gifts or if they're offices. But uh, in the spirit of surveying the gifts of the church, I'm just going to include this for the purpose of understanding that God is a distributor of good gifts. Ephesians 4, look at verse 11. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers— now, some of this is our positional functions of responsibility, but some of these are graces and gifts to operate within those positions. So, some of you are sitting in this room, and you have apostolic giftings. You have giftings to be strategic, to take risks, to push boundaries, to, uh, to step out in faith, to challenge the process, to start up new works, all of our, in fact, most of our entrepreneurs that are in this room, and my goodness, for the size that we are, we've got a massive amount of entrepreneurs in this room. There, is, there are elements and traces of apostolic giftings inside of you. You go into situations, you automatically see things that can be and should be improved. You, you automatically start seeing systems and structures that are out of order that need to be put in place for longevity, for stability, for reproduction. That, that's, that's an apostolic anointing on you, and we bless that. 
Those of you who are prophets, who are operating in classrooms, who are operating in military bases, when you have a sense of injustice that is happening, when you have a sense of right and wrong, and when you have a sense of things that need to be spoken into, when you have a sense, when people are walking around going, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like this situation keeps going on. I don't know what the root of it is. You, you just tap into that prophetic anointing and you go, Lord, show me what the root of the situation is that's going on right here. See, these gifts aren't just for, for our gatherings. These gifts are for us to bring to the world and to share with the world, all right? All right, um, okay, let's go on. So number one, God is a giver of good gifts. Can you guys say a hearty amen to that? Amen. Throw your hands up in the air this morning and say, Lord, I receive your good gifts. I receive your good gifts. Mm. And God, I just pray right now that whatever gift, I pray for an awakening and a wedding of an appetite, and Father, I pray that even beginning today that we would leave from this place and we would be hungry and we would be eager and we would be excited, Lord, to have greater understanding of the gifts that you've given to us and how to develop those gifts and how to harness and hone those gifts so that we can honor you with those gifts and we can bless the body and we can bless the world in Jesus' name. Number two, the gifts are for the building up of the body. Or another way of saying this is the body should benefit from the gifts. Now that I've built you guys all up, now I'm going to get after you. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> all right, take a look with me at verse 12. Just as a body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, and so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, from here, and I'm not sure if we're going to get into this, Paul starts using the analogy of a physical body working in tandem and in harmony and in unity with itself. Notice, notice, again, that Paul talks about spiritual gifts in the context of unity and division in the church. Why is that? Every single time he starts talking about gifts, he's always talking about it in the context of unity and division in the church without fail. Hold your spot there in 1 Corinthians 12, and let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Let's put that on the screen. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. Above all, love each other deeply. Now here's what's interesting. In every one of these passages, Romans, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter, you're gonna find three things. You're gonna find gifts, you're gonna find the command to stay unified, and you're also gonna find the exhortation to love. Coincidental? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I also want to insert in there, love covers us when we're growing in our gift. Love covers us when we're trying our gift and we mess up. Love covers us when you put the ball in my hand for the game-winning shot and I miss, even though it's my gift. Love covers us when leaders try to lead and they fail. Love covers Love covers when someone steps out and they try to prophesy and they miss it and you will miss it. And part of you is supposed to miss it. Huh? 
Here's why you're supposed to miss it. Out of humility and out of submission and out of trust and out of love and out of commitment to the body, as we step out in our spiritual gifts, we have to be humble enough to receive from one another when my gift is not operating correctly. You're going in your development of your gift, you're gonna make mistakes. And when you do, listen here, this is really, really important. If you understand that your gift is not about you, you'll be humble enough to receive feedback. When you understand that your gift is for the betterment and the benefit of the body, and someone comes alongside and says, hey, listen, do you mind if I just, if we have a conversation or if I speak into your life or if we evaluate that moment? If you understand that your gift is not about you, you'll be open to that. But if your gift is all about you, you'll be close to that. Think about it. First Peter chapter four, let's look, at it, let's look at it again. Verse eight, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my bad. Keep, uh, next verse, next verse. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To serve others. So here's what's going on in Corinth. Let me just give you like a three minute understanding of Corinth. The church of Corinth is the closest thing that I have seen in all of the books of the Bible to the modern day charismatic, apostolic, prophetic, Pentecostal, latter rain, whatever stream you want to put underneath the large umbrella of Pentecostal charismatic churches, that's Corinth. These guys were gifted and they were quote unquote spiritual. And here is why Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We have to understand when we read the Bible, particularly when we read the letters, the epistles, that Paul was always addressing something specific in each of those local congregations. And by the wisdom and the sovereignty of God, as Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, was addressing local issues. This is brilliant. This is God. As Paul was addressing local issues, under the inspiration of the Spirit, God was taking those things and saying, these are universal truths that, that need to be applied to every believer and all the churches, because these universal truths are not just for Corinth. They are for the church universal. That's incredible. But the church of Corinth, they were quote unquote spiritual people. And this is why Paul has to redefine for them what true spirituality is. And this is actually something good for us to talk about in our future. What is true spirituality? Because the people of Corinth equated giftings with spirituality. This is why when we get to our next point and when we get to the next chapter, we're gonna discover that in Paul's estimation, and in God's estimation, that true spirituality is not the selfish operation of your individual giftings. That true spirituality is the spirit of submission to Jesus. And we can look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3 again. The true submission to Jesus that allows our gifts to flow outward in a spirit of love. Okay? In the church of Corinth, we have guys that are sleeping with their stepmothers. In the church of Corinth, we have people that are taking people in the church to, to, uh, to be sued. In the church of Corinth, we have division. In chapter one, the first thing that Paul in, uh, goes after, he goes after division. 
It is to the church of Corinth, particularly 1 Corinthians, where he says, you guys, I can't even address you people as mature people because you're all babies. But he's not saying that in a demeaning way. He's not saying that in this, in this belittling, condescending way. He's just stating the fact. He's saying, guys, listen, there are things that I've got to build inside of you. There are foundations that I've got to get inside of you so that when your gift operates, so that when healthy spirituality flows through you, it will build the body up instead of tear the body down. Matt and I were talking just this morning, and we were talking about fighting, combat fighting. And, you know, in combat fighting, like there's other analogies I can use, but we're going to use this one. You know, and I've, guys, I'm, I'm half Korean, all right? I'm Asian. Y'all got to understand this about me. I grew up watching martial arts films. All right, Bruce Lee was my icon, okay? And what you'll see about Bruce Lee is everything's about foundations. Everything's about footwork. Everything's about defense. Everything's about blocking. And then after we get all those foundations done, then I'm going to teach you how to knock somebody out, all right? You got to put your hip into it. There's like two people in this room that got that joke. <laughs> it's all good. So in combat fighting, if you don't know how to defend yourself, if I teach you how to go and attack someone, you're going to get killed. I'm not joking. So listen, listen, listen. I'm just going to, here's a modern day corollary. Some of us are so enthralled with things that look and feel spiritual like spiritual warfare. I love spiritual warfare. I believe in spiritual warfare. But here's the thing. If you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't understand sonship, and I'm not talking about just, oh, yeah, I understand sonship. You preached that before. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about deep in your bones. You better not get out there in the battlefield, start picking fights with people. Don't be going out there trying to start picking fights with Jezebel and Baal and, and calling out every demonic force and principality that you've ever heard of before. I heard somebody call it. Don't, don't do that. You will get eaten alive, you guys. Okay? If your faith in the sovereign character and the nature of God is not rock solid, hey, listen, spiritual warfare will come. It will come. Be patient. Okay? You'll get trained in these things. Sequence. God is, God is a God of sequence. Are we together on this? Are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? I don't even know why I was talking about all this. Oh, this is, this is Paul dealing with this hyper-spirituality. This, this idea that I'm mature because I operate in gifts. I speak in tongues, therefore I'm mature. Now, let me, just, let me just say something. I'm gonna submit this to you guys. If your gift is dividing God's church there's a number of things that are going on here. Either A, it is not a gift of the Lord. That could be an option. B, it could be a gift that is unsubmitted. Are you hearing that? It's unsubmitted. It's ungoverned. There's a lot of gifted people out there, you guys. Some of you, some of you guys don't know who this person is. There's a great basketball player. His name is Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson grew up in the hood. And I was watching this video, and, and, and he, he literally changed the face of basketball. I mean, you can look at basketball up until one particular time, and when Allen Iverson came on the scene, he, he changed the face, he changed the style, he changed the personality, he changed the look. Not necessarily for the better, he just changed it. And in this interview, the guy asked him, he says, listen, you grew up, like, on the streets. He said, were there guys that you grew up with that were either as good as you 
or better? Or as good as the people that you play with in the NBA or better? And here's what Alan said. He said, absolutely. He says, I know guys that, that, that I grew up with on the streets playing that could run circles around Kobe Bryant, that could run circles around LeBron James. But here's the thing, no government, no discipline, no submission. So highly gifted, but their gift wasn't submitted to a coach, to a team, to a sport, to a father. You understand what I'm saying? All right, so that could be, that could be what's going on here. All right, here's another thought. If your gift is bringing division to the body, it could be a legitimate spiritual gift that's just not developed yet, okay? You're, you're practicing, you're learning your gift. And this is why it's important to submit your life and to submit your gift so that it can mature and so that it can grow. All right, here's another thought. If your gift is bringing division to the body, it could be because your theology is off concerning the church. All right, here's what I mean. In Western Christianity, we have adopted a mentality of privatized spirituality. Okay? Which is no different than moral relativism. Okay, so we have no understanding, or if we do, we have despised the historical reality that God does everything with a people and that he calls us to a people. Here's examples of this. So it would be like my hand saying, I'm just, I, I am complete in and of myself. And so I am self-sufficient to be everything. I am the, this is like the hand saying, the hand is saying, I am the body. That would be like the foot saying, I am the body. I am everything as the foot. Or whatever part of the body we want to use in this analogy. And this is exactly what Paul's going after when he starts talking about and breaking down the body analogy. What is he doing here? He's essentially saying, listen, no one gift is the whole. That's why he addresses all this. So here's what we need to understand. Yes, the Spirit gifts the church. But the Spirit gifts the church to build the church. Do you understand that? Look right here, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Let's, we're going to first look at verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's like when I, when I, when I bless my son with Legos or whatever it might be. We talked about Legos two weeks ago. Here's what I want, here's what I want to see built into my son. I, what I do not want to see is my son to take all his Legos and go off in a corner. And just play by himself. And I have to tell my son this all the time. Son, you know why I bought you those toys? I bought you those toys so that our other children can play together with you. Do you know why I bought you that baseball, that basketball, that soccer ball? It's not so that you can go off and play by yourself. It's so that you can now bless the rest of the family. Your gifts, whatever they may be, have been given to you so that you can share them, so that you can give them away. And as you share them and as you give them away, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. Number one, you grow. 
And this is just kind of this paradox of the kingdom. In order to receive, I have to give. In order to go higher, I have to go lower. Huh? In order to lead, I have to serve. This is just the way of the kingdom. And so in order for my gift to grow, in order for my gift to develop, in order for my life to grow, I've got to give my gift away. And it is in the giving and the sharing and in the entrusting and in the serving people with my gift that I grow and they grow. And as I grow and they grow, or as I grow and we grow, the kingdom grows. All right, last point, very, very quickly. Number one, God's a giver of good gifts. Number two, the church should benefit from the gifts. Number three, love is greater. This is real simple, and I'm just gonna do this in three minutes. Look at, look at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? You've just, you've just been addressing our division. You've just been talking about the importance of the body functioning in unity. You've been talking about the fact that we have all of these gifts. And yet, here's the most excellent way. Here's the thing that we should desire most of all. If we get love in place, love purifies the gifts. Love aligns the gifts. Love restrains the gifts. Love keeps the gift operating in the right motivation and in the right function. Now it's interesting right here because again, we have to read 12, 13, and 14 as a, as a unit because he's still addressing the same issue. And here's how I know, because all of the gifts that he laid out in 12, he's actually using these same gifts in 13. Look, if I speak in tongues, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries, if I have the gift of faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give, I have the, if I have the gift of giving generously, all I possess to the poor, if I give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So he's using these spiritual gifts and he's saying, listen, Praise God, every one of you has a gift, but if you do not have love, it's nothing. It's worthless. It's actually destructive. It's divisive. It's detrimental to the big picture. Are we together on this? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Stop. We have heard these verses so many years on gift cards, in weddings, in poems. But I've never read these verses in the context of the, I've never read these verses in their actual context. Because love is not, listen, love is not, is not limited to these characteristics. Paul utilizes these characteristics because they speak to exactly what the church of Corinth was not operating in. Now, don't miss this. If you go back and read all of 1 Corinthians, here's what you'll find. You'll find, remember in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, when Paul was talking about coming to the Lord's table and at that time the Lord's table was actually a feast, there were people that were pigging out. There were rich people that were actually taking huge plates of food at fellowship suppers. 
And then you have people that do not have much who are being invited in the, in the church that are being invited uh, to these fellowship suppers. And by the time it comes for them to eat, guess what? Ain't no food left. And so this is why Paul says, guys, listen, love is patient. Be patient. Be gracious. Love is kind. Why does he say this? Because in the church of Corinth, they weren't operating in kindness. They were utilizing their spiritual gifts to be ugly and mean. And listen, that's all of us. That's us. We'll begin to believe our own press. We'll believe our own hype. And you'll turn ugly in a flash if you get disconnected to people who tell you, hey, you're being ugly right now. Do you know why you need the body? The more gifted you are, the more you need the body. Or else you'll begin floating and flying around out there and you'll have, you'll, you'll, nobody will want to be with you. Because you're so self-infused with your gifting. And here's the ironic thing is your gifting is no longer blessing the body anymore. Because nobody wants your gift because nobody can stand being around you. Are you feeling that? Love is kind. What does that tell you? It tells you that the spirit that the gifts come should be a spirit of kindness. You find somebody who's like, well, I just have to do this. You know what? That's not patient. And if you come up to me and you tell me that God is telling you, you just have to do something right now, no matter what's going on, no matter what I say, no, that's not, I'm, I'm sorry, either, either a couple of things are happening. It's not the Lord telling you or you need to grow. Think about little kids. Think about little kids. I need food right now. I want snack. Okay, well, first of all, let me teach you how to ask the right way. You come at me demanding to use a spiritual gift, I'm going to tell you, hey, you got to ask the right way. Hey, are you going to let me pastor you or are you going to let me pastor you? You come up here and say, hey, I got to do this right now. No, you don't. You got to ask. And I'm not trying to be on a power trip. That's just called order and that's called submission and that's called mutual submission to the body. Let's learn how to ask and not demand. Okay? Because there is a spirit in which the gifts must operate. Patient, kindness. It does not envy. It does not envy. Whatever your gift is, it is, a, it is a powerful, beautiful gift. And here's what I can tell you. I'll use two quick analogies and I'll be done. In the book that C.S. Lewis wrote, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a scene when the four kids, Edmund and Susan and Lucy, they run into Father Christmas. You guys remember this? You've read that book or seen that movie? And each of these kids receive a special gift. Lucy receives this kind of healing balm. Susan receives this trumpet. Peter receives this sword. And the amazing thing is, at different parts of their journey, the thing that was needed for that situation was that particular gift. So there will always come a moment or many moments when what your significant special spiritual gift is utilized and needed and brought to the surface. And if we envy other people's gifts and despise our own, we'll not be ready for our contribution in the moment that it's needed. You hear that? God is a giver of good gifts. 
The body should benefit, not be broken down from your gift. And love is greater than the gifts.